This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, rolling on with hour two of the program. It is Sportsnet today. Coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. On a final Flames game day of the season. With the outstanding producers along with us this afternoon of Colton, Cam, and Taylor. Still lots to get to in the final hour. We've heard from Dustin Wolf and Matt Coronado ahead of their NHL debuts at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Coming up in the next few moments, we'll hear from head coach Daryl Sutter, Blake Coleman, Michael Backlund, the Peter Meyer Good Guy Award winners this year. And why not hear from Jacob Pelche, another exciting Flames prospect back in the lineup tonight. After uh, a number of healthy scratches, he'll be on the line with Matt Coronado as Nazem Kadri centers uh, two Flames youngsters tonight against the San Jose Sharks. Quick reminder, 7 o'clock, puck draw, uh, 7 o'clock warm-up tonight with Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius for an 8 o'clock puck drop at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Derek Wills and Peter Labardius on the call one more time for a Flames game day. All your coverage, of course. Right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's an interesting game 82 and an interesting turn of emotions here at the Scotiabank Saddledome since the Flames were eliminated by the Nashville Predators. Plenty of of doom and gloom, and, and rightfully so, after what's been a disappointing year. But at least for 24 hours, the narrative has turned to the future and getting a chance to see a couple of very highly touted prospects make their NHL debuts tonight. What is in the cards for Matt Coronado and Dustin Wolf? Really have no idea for Dustin. So much focus has been on another great season with the Calgary Wranglers and looking ahead to a Calder Cup trophy run with them. But now it's, you know, sort of suddenly interrupted by this great opportunity to come in and play your first NHL game. I, I love the opportunity for Dustin. Um, the spot makes so much sense, I think given where this team has been this year. I was never a fan when Jacob or Dan Vladar were, were struggling earlier this year to to bring up Dustin Wolf as good as he was because I never wanted Dustin Wolf to have to play savior for this team. Uh, I think he's on a great trajectory. Every step of the way, Dustin Wolf has exceeded expectations. He's blown the doors off everywhere. But to ask him to do that at the NHL or expect him to do that at the NHL level is just a whole other ball game. And do I think he's going to come in and I think he can be an, an excellent NHL goaltender? Yeah, absolutely I do. Because every other test that Dustin Wolf has faced, he's met with flying colors. But to ask him to to be more than, than just focus on goaltending and to have to focus on potentially saving a season that was going sideways for the Calgary Flames, I was never a fan of. So I think this is the perfect opportunity for him to 
to jump into a game that, yes, doesn't mean anything standings-wise for the Calgary Flames, but now means a lot to him on a personal level and means a lot to Matt Coronado on a personal level. And for Flames fans, you never want to have a season that has games with no meaning. That's that's always the last scenario you want to find yourself in. But to to find a way to to give this game a different sort of emotion, a different sort of feeling than than simply just playing out the last game of your season at the Scotiabank Saddledome, I think is going to make a big difference. And I know for myself, I know talking to Lou in hour one, uh, lots of people have a different feel around this game than it did when we were talking about this team losing to the Nashville Predators in a shootout just a few more, uh, a few nights ago. And I'm curious how it looks at the Scotiabank Saddledome. I'm curious about the the response that Dustin's going to have. Matt Coronado's been here for a couple of weeks practicing with the team. He said today, and we heard from him back in hour one, that he feels you know, way more comfortable now getting into a game than he would have when he first arrived in Calgary. I'm curious how much of that shows in his game tonight. It's going to be a really, really intriguing game at the Saddledome, and that's not something um, that you can say when a team is out of the playoffs all the time. So a couple more people to hear from on a game day, including the head coach, Daryl Sutter. Um, lots from the head coach today, including his thoughts on the two youngsters making their NHL debuts in Coronado and Wolf and, and just the process of, of them coming into an NHL game and what it could do for their futures going forward. Here is the head coach, Daryl Sutter, on a game day, Flames and Sharks. Uh, Daryl, a little bit earlier on today from the Dome. Daryl, can you talk about this opportunity for Dustin Wolf tonight? That's yeah, well earned. Uh, you had a great freshman year last year. First year pro, and he's, you know, he's, he's for sure the MVP of, in my books, not only their team, but I think he's close to the league MVP. When you look at what they've done in terms of goals against and, and his record, amount of minutes and games played, so it's great for him. You, you watched a lot. And it also, you know, it's, I think it was really, when Brad and I talked, I think it's a really good idea to, to play in this game. You know, they're, they're. Uh, they finished with three out in Abbotsford, and, and uh, you know it's like a jump start for their playoffs too. You've watched a whole lot of Wranglers. What does strike you about Dustin? Uh, he's, I have two things that always have. It's not just Wranglers. I think that if you go back to his, to the junior career and that just that leadership thing you talk about, it's really important. And then I think the two things that really his his work ethic and his hockey sense, like he really knows the game. Like it, and you know that's why he's. I think he's been dominant at the American League levels because that he reads everything so well. What can people, what do people expect to see from Matt Coronado? You know, I think we're all looking for it, right? I don't think you know. There's not many. Is there anybody here that's seen him play live? I've seen him play once. Yeah. Oh yeah, you would have. Yeah. So that's. I think we're all excited to see what he's see it live. Yeah. What have you learned about him since he came up to join the team? I think he's a really good kid. He's been a real sponge, I think, in terms of, of uh, you know, the direction and following and, and you know, seeing those guys that he's trying to be like, things like that. So, uh, you know, <laughs> he's a kid. So It's just one game, but what's the mindset behind uh, having him between Kadri and, and Pelche? Oh, I think the mindset would be with, with Cods. 
right? Two kids. I think it's you know, I think it's good for Naz and and uh, they'll have a good game. You mentioned like they are kids. Do you see any of the more veteran players really uh, taking? I guess Matt more than Dustin, but really taking him under their wing. Yeah, I, you know I think Dylan's been really important, but I think those kids have been. That's kind of why I would prefer to leave them together tonight because they've been, you know, they've been doing everything together. So they, I think that's that'll be fun for them. Darryl, what's the like, what's the coolest part? You've been around the game forever. Like when you see two kids who've been working this long for it, what, what's the coolest part to kind of see for you? Um, you mean with Dustin and yeah, like. You- this is a dream come true for, for those two guys. So what, what's the coolest part to sort of witness on a day like this? Yeah, I think th- with those two boys, um, you know, they've been really good at whatever level they're at, right? That's So it's the next part for them. Like, so if you just do dust and you think how good he was in junior, then you think how good he's been so far in the American League. And and then so this is, this is kind of the reward for him. And then, uh, you know what, it speaks to... And then with, with Maddie, you know, he had a really good year, and they get beat out in the f- final four, things like that. So it's, you know, it's kind of the, for Maddie's different. It's kind of the culmination of his year because he's not allowed to go to, to, uh, to the Wranglers. But with Dustin, I think it's, it's, you know, it's awesome for him, like, to get this game. What was your message to our? What will your message be to Dustin ahead of this? Because I imagine it's probably a little bit different approaching a first game for a goal. Yeah, I talked to him last night. I wanted to make sure that it's because uh, mom and dad live in Seattle, so it was close for them to get here. So that's awesome. And just put his boots on, come play his game. He's good at it. Then it speaks to the. You know, we've talked about this lots because it's been a critiquing all year of our of our goal thing, but speaks to the depth of our. You know, I still think it's, say what you want, I still think it's the strongest part of our team is our three goalies. The head coach, Daryl Sutter, on a game day, getting set for the Flames and the San Jose Sharks. Lots there from Daryl on the two youngsters making their NHL debuts tonight in Coronado and Wolf. But uh, another youngster back in the lineup for the Calgary Flames tonight who will be on a line with Matt Coronado is Jacob Pelche. 23 games this season, seven points for Pelche but hasn't played since March 20th against the LA Kings when he played 12-01. It's been a lot of learning for Jacob, some practice time. Um, many wondered whether or not he would be better served going back down to the Wranglers. Uh, that will happen, of course, following Game 82 for the Calgary Flames, but he's got one more chance to make an impression at the NHL level this season, and uh, it won't surprise you, knowing what we've seen from Jacob, that he's excited to get back in the lineup tonight and excited for a chance to play with a couple of youngsters in Wolf and Coronado. Is that Coley guy any good? Ah, he's good. He's, he's good, yeah. He's good. <laughs> How excited are you uh, to see him get his uh, first career start in the NHL? Yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, you know, since last year, I think he played pretty much like 75% of the game in the A. And each game, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, at the end, I was like, uh, all right, so... We gonna win two one or three two tonight because he's he's good. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's nice to to see him here with us. What makes him so hard to score? I think you know he's so quick uh, that uh, when like you think you beat him, uh, he's just gonna you know uh, save uh, the, the puck. So yeah. 
Is there anything you can? It's only been a few months since you were, you know, the guy yeah. nervous ahead yeah. on a debut. Is there anything you can tell Dustin and Matt tonight? Enjoy. I mean, uh, you know, since like we're three, three or five, uh, the main goal is to play here, right? So uh, for both of them, it's their first game. So just uh, enjoy, yeah. It hasn't been that long since you were in the middle of all of this for the first time. We saw you over there. What are you thinking when you see him going through it for the first time? Well, the first time I was not sure if I was playing or not, so I was kind of stressed because uh, you don't want to say, yeah, I'm playing or not. So, uh, so yeah, I think uh, for me it was like stressful, but... Uh, uh, after you know when when you uh, you kind of look back, uh, it's kind of f- not funny, but you're like she's like chill, you know what I mean? <laughs> Relax. You've seen a lot of Matt in practice since he's got here. What catches your eye about his game? I think his shot. Uh, you know, I think he's a s- sniper. Uh, I think you know he he's fast also. So uh, I think for me and him is to to kind of buzz uh, for a tonight's game. What uh, what's this past stretch been like for you to be mostly watching these big games? Yeah, I think it was the first time in my life I was scratched for uh, for that long. But I uh, you know it's still good to be here with the boys. You know to watch the games, uh, to practice, and that to kind of you know uh, learn here. What do you think of what do you think of Dustin Wolf's uh, like pregame routine? He has that real little. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, he's. Uh, Wait, what's what's the, the best word to put that? Uh, I think the best word would be probably that he is a goalie, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, I mean, yeah. Does he, does he have any of the yogurt left? Uh, pff, probably not. I really hope not because it smells yeah. smell, uh, bad, so yeah. How, how good does it have to have Naz there to kind of help you through all this process? As yeah, I mean, it's great. I played with him for probably mo- most of my game. Uh, I think you know he's a good player, but but a good guy also. So it's uh, it's pretty nice to to have him here. Yeah. What's the Wranglers group chat right like right now, or do you get kicked uh, out? Once you get no, no, no. Uh, I think it's pretty calm because they're playing tonight. If if they win or something like that, I think they clinch the first place. So yeah. There you go, Jacob Pelchay back in the lineup tonight for the Calgary Flames. Uh, he'll be in that line with Nazem Kadri and Matt Coronado. Should be an interesting lineup for those three. Uh, Coronado and Pelche have played practice together, I should say, the last number of weeks since Coronado's come to the group uh, as sort of that extra line with Adam Ruzicka as their center. Uh, they'll step things up to a third-line role if you want to number them tonight with uh, Kadri in between. So it should be an exciting one for both of those young guys to take some of the things that they've practiced the last couple of weeks and hopefully apply them in tonight's matchup against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, one more piece of audio to bring your way from the Saddle Dome today. It is Blake Coleman and Michael Backlund uh, on a game day, but also on a day where they received uh, the coveted Peter Marr Good Guy Award, Pete in the building, uh, to give the guys their award. And it's uh, one that Wes Gilbertson, our pal from Post Media, and regular contributor Flames Talk uh, has taken over the last couple of years, uh, coordinating for uh, everybody in the media here to... Uh, you know, give uh, some recognition to a Flames player, or in this case, two Flames players um, who were around to, uh, you know, make life easier on the media. We're always there to answer questions, um, you know, and uh, to do so in the namesake of one of the great Calgary sports broadcasters of all time in uh, in Peter Marr. So uh, here is that from earlier today with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. Thanks, everybody. We are here for the 
10th annual presentation of the Peter Marr Good Guy Award, obviously named for the goodest guy of all. Uh, a historic day because for the first time we have co-winners, a uh, probably fitting with all the one-goal games that it was close right to the end and <laughs> this time finished in a tie. So I will uh, hand it over to Peter Marr to make the presentation. Well, thank you very much, uh, Wes. And uh, 10 years, I can't believe that it's been uh, that long since we initiated this uh, particular award. So it's uh, I'm really a pleasure to um, have it named in uh, my honor for the media people that I used to spend every day of the winter with. And looking around the room here now, uh, a lot of the guys and girls that I was around uh, back in my day are still here. So uh, and doing a great job at your, uh, your chosen profession. So... Great to see you, and uh, unfortunately, the season's not going to go a little longer. I would have liked to come to a few more games here at the Saddle Dome, but uh, there's always next year. And But it's uh, my pleasure to um, introduce the co-winners of the award of this year, standing over here to my uh, right, Blake Coleman, who um, I never did have the pleasure of calling a game in the NHL. Blake, you started in the NHL just as I was leaving. So I'll... Uh, I've watched you play several, several, several games here in person and lots of games on TV when you're in Tampa and here and elsewhere. So uh, congratulations on uh, winning this good guy award. I know on the ice you're not such a good guy, and that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy next to him is the, uh, the last game that I broadcast for the Flames. This guy is the only player left on the Flame team from uh, my last broadcast in uh, Vancouver, the night that Johnny Goudreau scored his first goal, and I called my last flame goal. And uh, Michael Backlund played in that uh, particular game and played in a lot of hockey games before that uh, with the Flames before I uh, retired. He was always a good guy then and glad to see that uh, he's still being a good guy off the ice with you people in the media. And again, he's not such a good guy on the ice, which is a good thing as well. So you guys come forward. It's my pleasure to uh, make the presentation to you. Uh, well, first of all, uh, thank you guys. Obviously, it's uh, it's an honor to uh, to be recognized uh, for this award. It's um, you know I have a great relationship with a lot of you guys, and I've gotten to really know some of you guys pretty personally. And um, you know, and it's there's a lot of good people in this room, and you guys are are all uh, on that same grind that we are. And, and you know, it's it's a tough job. It's demanding hours. It's a lot of uh, you know a lot of paying attention and, and you know you got to be on top of things and you guys have been really good and um you guys have always treated me and, and my family uh which is most important to me uh with a ton of respect and uh i really appreciate that um it means a lot to us and, and it goes a long way and um you know i don't know that i do anything too special I, I just uh i know you guys are all are all people and you're all working hard like we are and, and i try to treat you guys um the way that i would want to be treated and um i know i know michael does that uh, as well and um, again I just want to say thank you guys I know it's you know it's it's a really disappointing day for us um, you know it's not where we want to be it's not where I want to be uh, in terms of how the season just ended up but uh, you know tough times it's nice to have good people around so again thank you um, it's an honor to, to get this from you guys and I look forward to working with you in the in the future no clapping <laughs> <laughs> good guy <or> <laughs> uh well hard to top that off that was a good speech uh, uh um 
Yeah, I feel the same. Uh, very honored and um, thankful to receive this award, and especially in Peter's name. Uh, got to know him and work with him for a few years, and uh, um, and then I worked a lot of years with a lot of you guys, and uh, you guys always been great to me, and always showed a lot of respect, like Colsey said to me, and my family, and. Uh, um, I always appreciated even my first few years you who, who were here it wasn't always easy for me and uh, being a first round pick and um, you guys never disrespected me anyway or treated me badly or said things uh, maybe behind my back but not that I heard <laughs> and uh, uh, not that I hear everything and read everything but uh, when I was younger I read more stuff and there was never anything uh, yeah, so I really appreciate that, uh, working with a lot of you guys for such a long time. And um, it's cool to say you guys work really hard, and we appreciate the hard work you put in and uh, to promote us and to promote the sport. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it feels uh, it's nice to win it with a nice guy, co- co-winners, with a good guy over there. And, uh, I, uh, yeah, once again, just thank you and uh, – uh, it's, an, it's an honor to always win a prestigious award. So thank you. There you go. Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman receiving the Good Guy Award, the Peter Marr Good Guy Award. And so good to see Peter Marr in the building, uh, Flames legend uh, broadcaster. And, yes, as Wes Gilbertson, uh, a good guy in his own right, uh, said there, you know, the, the Peter Marr Award based on Pete being such a great guy over the years and uh, following it up with two really good guys in in Michael Backlund and, and Blake Coleman, who, uh, if you've listened to the shows, you've listened to Flames talk, you pay attention to Flames coverage, those are two guys that have never shied away from the microphone, and they certainly don't do it for the attention that comes along with it. They do it to be leaders, to be accountable, all those sort of things, and it goes a long way to us in the media, and it goes a long way to, I know, fans as well, to hear from the players, and especially those two guys who mean a lot to what the Calgary Flames do on the ice to be able to hear from them uh, on a nightly basis and to get their thoughts and feelings of what's going on. And uh, yes, a very deserving uh, split winners to Blake Coleman and uh, Michael back on the Peter Marr Good Guy Award. We will take a break, come back on the other side, finish things off with our last look at the opposition for the year. Uh, it's been a historically bad year for the San Jose Sharks. How did they fall so far from grace and... Uh, is there a consolation prize at the end of the tunnel for them uh, that doesn't involve Connor Bedard? We'll talk to Curtis Bashelka, Bay Area News Group, coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, putting a bow on the program this afternoon on a Calgary Flames game day. The final game for the Calgary Flames in the 2022 2023 season. Reminder, it's an 8 o'clock puck drop tonight from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. 7 o'clock Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius. Lou and Derek Wills on the call. 8 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Flames and their Pacific Division rivals, the San Jose Sharks. San Jose with uh, one more matchup to go after tonight. They will head up the road for a matchup against the Edmonton Oilers for their season finale on Thursday. But uh, one more chance to uh, to chat all things San Jose Sharks, and no one we would rather do that with for a look at the opposition. 
Uh, we go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in our good pal from the Bay Area News Group covering the San Jose Sharks. It is Curtis Pashelka joining us this afternoon. Curtis, thanks is the time for thanks for the time as always, sir. How are you? Good, Logan. How are you? We're doing good. Uh, excited here for the uh, finale to the season tonight, and uh, obviously the Flames and Sharks both uh, without playoff. Uh, aspirations past the next couple of days, but uh, should be a good one tonight from the Saddle Dome. And uh, look, you're coming to the end of a season that's been a little bit uh, longer without playoffs in question than we have here in Calgary. I'm curious how the last couple of months have been from a, a San Jose Sharks perspective. Has it been a a bit of a, a you know a fight to the end here for this group? Well, it's been it's been a real tough slog here ever since the trade deadline when they when they traded Timo Meyer to the to the New Jersey Devils and they started kind of bringing up some some younger players to give them a, a little bit of an opportunity here as as they go forward into next season. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah, it's been it's been tough for this team. You know, they they they're not um, you know they're not scoring as much. Obviously, they're not defending. Uh, probably the way they they need to with some younger guys in the lineup, and you know the goaltending is is still very much a question mark as we as we head into next season. So um, you know it's been tough for the Sharks over the last couple of months, but you know aside from one three game winning streak they had uh, just recently here, it's been it's been it's been tough. But hey, from the from the opposite end of the spectrum, if you look at it another way, well you're you're still in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, so uh, you can look at it from from both from both ways, I guess. Uh, your latest yesterday up at uh, the Mercury News talking about how it sort of got to this point for the San Jose Sharks. And I, I'm curious if you could just give the listeners a, a bit of insight from that article and what you sort of went through this season, because you mentioned there are some really interesting bright spots about this team. We'll talk about Eric Carlson. You know, we'll talk about, you know, Logan Couture and, and some of the bright things that have happened for this Sharks team. But it really has been uh, a pretty stark fall and not something that we're used to seeing of late from the San Jose Sharks organization. Right, right. I mean, obviously, they, they've missed the playoffs the last three years as well. But this would be the, their, their worst season since the uh, since the mid-1990s. Uh, you know, those early teams, you know, they had... Uh, two years where they made the playoffs in, in the early 90s after they moved out of the Cow Palace into the downtown arena. But after that, uh, that's when the organization really struggled. So this is this time uh, you know, with the Sharks just kind of compares a little bit to that time back then when uh, the Sharks were going more, much more of a, a transitional type period. And, and so you kind of go through the, the, the list of, of why they, the, the Sharks have got to this point. And you know, there's a lot of certain things where you can kind of point the finger at and, and look and say, well, you know, this didn't help or, or that didn't help. You know, certainly they they missed out on a couple of draft picks, first round draft picks that they selected in the mid 2000s. Uh, they traded away other first round picks uh, after that. You know, they traded a first round pick to get Martin Jones. They traded a first round pick to get Evander Kane in, in a in a deadline uh, trade deadline deal. And of course, they traded a, a conditional first-round pick to Ottawa as part of the uh, Eric Carlson deal. That ended up being uh, Tim Stutzla. Uh, the other factors too, um, you know, the you know the, the the contracts that they've handed out and the flat cap that that's happened over the last two or three years, or three years, or uh, for sure, um, has has hindered this team's ability to sort of add in and fill in around certain players like Eric Carlson, like Logan Couture, uh, like Tomas Hurdle. Uh, those type of players who have been here for a long time and want to win now and just haven't been able to do so because the roster has been so thin. So 
you add all that together, and, and obviously there's been other factors as well. The Sharks, I, I just I was kind of amazed at this one stat here. You know, since the start of the 2019-2020 season, up until last night, uh, no team had allowed more five-on-five goals uh, than the Sharks over the course of yeah, almost four four full seasons here. So that's a pretty remarkable stat. It tells you what, how much work still has to be done to sort of get this team back to where it was, uh, you know, just a few years ago. How much attention is being paid in San Jose right now to the daily changes when it comes to draft lottery odds and the potential of picking Connor Bedard number one overall? You know, it's in the it's it's in the back of people's minds. Obviously, you know that's. You look at uh, you know this team, this organization really wants to is is looking for hope, and certainly no no player would give this team uh, more hope than uh, than Connor Bedard. And you look at what he's uh, what he's done this past year. Um, you know Mike Greer, we you know we talked to him. We got to see him firsthand at the World Juniors. Uh, was blown away just by how a 17 year old could go into that tournament and just absolutely dominate. It would rejuvenate. Um, you know, the fan base probably results in a lot more season tickets and season tickets being sold uh, at SAP Center for next season. Just a lot of different things that go, that would go into that. And I think, you know, people have been having it on the back of their minds too, but they're also cognizant of the fact that uh, that's just one player and there's got to be a lot of other things happen uh, before the Sharks get back to being a, a cup contender, even a playoff contender, I guess. Yeah, and I know you had mentioned it as well, uh, that this will be probably the first time for the San Jose Sharks outside of, you know, a number of times in the 90s that this team picks higher than the sixth overall selection they had in 2003 when it was Milan McCulloch who came in to the organization at that time. And really anything in this deep of a draft should be a, a boon to this San Jose prospect organizationally. And, you know, thinking about Connor Bedard is always nice, but I think at this point it's fair to say, Curtis, that anybody that they get within that, that spot, if it's top three, top five, is going to be, a pretty important piece for them going forward, even if it's not Connor Bedard. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, he'll probably step in and, and maybe even be this team's top prospect uh, right off the, right off the hop here. You know, uh, the art, the Sharks are high on uh, some players that they, uh, they've had in the system here for the last little while. William Eklund was, was hurt or hurt earlier uh, this month um, or late last month, I should say. Um, he'll ease out for the season. Um, and, uh, so, but, uh, you know, they're looking, they say he'll be ready for, for camp in the fall. Is that that's certainly that's one player that's going to be, uh, counted on to contribute here in the, in, in the, in the, in the short term for next season, you know, people like Thomas Borlow, who's playing tonight in, 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 in Calgary. Um, you know, he's getting a, a reintroduction to the NHL this season. He's, he's been had a bit of an up and down, uh, time of it since he's been back in the NHL these last couple of weeks, but, He's another player that they're high on. You know, the player that they acquired um, in the Timo Meyer trade, Shakir Makamudulin, a defenseman. Um, you know, very, very big defenseman. You know, smooth skating guy. Uh, projects to be sort of a top four type type defenseman in the future. He's another player that they that they're really high on. And you know, another player tonight from that they they just signed out of Harvard, Henry Thrun. Uh, they like him a lot. He, he'll be playing tonight. Or of course, he was Matt Coronado's uh, teammate at Harvard. Uh, just earlier this uh, earlier this month, I guess. So, um, so anyway, those they've got some pieces. Um, but anyway, like you said, you know, anyone who they add this year, if it's a top three pick or a top five pick, uh, he's going to be uh, sort of viewed as, as one of the one of the uh, one of the top prospects in the uh, in the organization. 
Uh, Curtis, let's talk about Eric Carlson. Obviously a very special moment for him to hit the 100-point plateau. It's something that hasn't been done since Brian Leach. It hasn't been done by a defenseman since Brian Leach did it uh, in 1991-1992. He's also one of the oldest players to reach the 100-point plateau for the first time in his career uh, at the age of 32. And it's been a remarkable comeback season for Eric Carlson, but one that's come you know, despite team success. I'm curious from your perspective how that balance has kind of worked out. I heard from Eric a bit, you know, doing the Calgary media today, and it sounds like a guy that's, you know, had to struggle to walk that line, that it's it's great to score 100 points, and it's so much fun to be in the Norris conversation, but winning's also fun, and you wonder how much of it he would sacrifice to to have some more success in what's been a down year in San Jose. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's mentioned that a few times this year where, you know, he plays this game to win and compete for a cup. And the Sharks just haven't been able to do that here uh, for the last four years since that's uh, since he signed his contract extension with with the team. And so, um, you know, right. I mean, if there is a little bit more of a balance there, he gladly give up sort of that points title, um, you know, even maybe a chance to win the Norris if his team was in a position to compete uh, for the Stanley Cup. So, um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens going forward here. Um, you know, does does Eric Carlson maybe look to go to a more of a win now team like Brent Burns did last off season? Uh, does he want to, or is, or is it just a you know a matter where a, a contra or a trade just might be a little bit too complicated to sort of pull off, uh, given uh, how much money uh, Eric Carlson makes, how big his cap hit is, and and uh, how many years are left on that deal? So, um, but you're right, this has been a special year for for our Carlson. I don't think people are going to forget it for, for a long time considering, uh, you know, what he's been through here in San Jose over the last few years and, uh, and uh, how he's uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, taking it to another level uh, personally for him uh, for this season. The Norris is one of those trophies that's talked about a lot in the NHL as, you know, maybe one that doesn't always follow the definition of, of what the award is handed out for every year. But regardless of that, Chris, I'm curious from your spot as a full-time observer, have what you've seen all year from Eric Carlson lined up with a Norris caliber year in your mind? Is it something that has been earned by Eric Carlson, even, you know, regardless of scoring a hundred points, has he been in that conversation for you? He has. And, you know, when, when you look at kind of the other contenders for the Norris trophy here, you know, like a, Josh Morrissey out of Winnipeg or Dougie Hamilton in Jersey. Um, you know, he's, he's 20, 24, 26 points clear of those players in, in, in the scoring race among all defensemen. Uh, that can't be discounted. And obviously there's, you know, there's, there's people say, you know, well, he's not, he's not the greatest defender in, in the world, but um, you know, the greatest, you know, having the puck on your stick is, is maybe arguably just as effective mm-hmm. as, as uh, you know, playing, Getting backwards, kind of thing, or just being a defense, defensive type defenseman. Um, so you know, when you when you look at it from a from a total perspective, you know, is he the full package as far as a, a dynamic offensive player, and and also a, a terrific uh, in his own end? Well, I think I don't think he gets enough credit for for being how good he is in his own end. But you're right. I mean, he's not necessarily. Um, you know, a, a Shea Weber type back there, or a Victor Hedman type player back there, but he does things in his own way, and he's done it for you know 13 or 14 years now, and at a pretty high level. So I think you just take it all to effect into account uh, the fact that maybe um, the rest of the field isn't 
isn't quite as dynamic as, as Eric Carlson, like considering what um, you know kind of year he's had. Uh, just from an individual individual standpoint, I think it's, you know, I don't think it'll be a runaway win for him as far as the Norris goes. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, differing opinions there. But uh, ultimately, I do think that um, he will win the award for a third time. Curtis Pashelka along with us from the Bay Area News Group covering the San Jose Sharks along with us for a uh, look at the opposition Flames' final opponent this season, their Pacific Division rivals, uh, the San Jose Sharks. And Curtis, you mentioned his name uh, a little bit earlier there with some of the young guys that have, uh, you know, come to make an impression in San Jose earlier on. He was a very popular uh, face around Calgary media today. Obviously, Henry Thrun with his relationship uh, with Matt Coronado, who makes his NHL debut for the Flames tonight. But uh, this is an interesting piece for the San Jose Sharks to pick up, too, in a trade to get Henry's rights from the Anaheim Ducks. Comes with a third-round pick, and uh, we're now six games in for his young NHL career. What's uh, stood out for you in Henry's game early on in his NHL career? Well, just as poise, you know, I think for for a young, for a player who's just uh, getting his feet wet at, at this level, um, you know, his poise with the puck has, has stood out to me. Uh, his first pass, ability to make that first pass to to help set up the uh, set up the attack, sort of going the other way, uh, that stood out to me too. You know, he's a mature he's a mature kid, and um, I think the coaching staff here knows full well what he's capable of right now in his career. Uh, you know, David Quinn. When he was the head coach at, at BU, he tried to recruit Henry uh, Henry to uh, to that school when he was, you know, just a freshman or a sophomore in high school. You know, when he was 14, 15 years old. So uh, they go back a long ways, and that was a big reason why Henry uh, decided to sign uh, with with uh, with the Sharks because of that relationship he already had with with David Quinn and some familiarity already with some other people in the Sharks front office too. Didn't hurt so. You know, he, he he's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. He might even have to start next season uh, in the American League because there's just a lot of bodies right now. And in, in the in the as, as far as uh, how many players the Sharks have signed uh, going to next season, uh, so we'll see what changes are made in the off season here. But um, you know, as of right now, I think I think he's been he's been everything the Sharks have hoped he would be, and they're they're very excited about what he can do as he uh, continues to uh, mature and, and and grow and go and uh, grow as a defenseman. Uh, bigger picture question for you, Curtis. Do you think that now that we're just finishing up these last two games for the San Jose Sharks, that uh, Mike Greer has got a better perspective on what direction he needs to take this team in, or is it still one of those things where, hey, we're still bottoming out, we still got to kind of assess where everybody is in the organization even after a year as GM? I think he's got a pretty good handle on where things stand and, and how soon this team uh, might be able to, to return to sort of a, a contender status. There's a lot of work to do. Uh, when he traded Timo Meyer, he traded a guy who scored, you know, 35, 40 goals a year could uh, for the next few years. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of offense to try and replace. And then you look at the back end, uh, you know, some of the, some of the players there, um, you know, how do you kind of transition from a, a, the core uh, sort of maybe a bit of an older defense core, and so one that's maybe a little bit more, you know, younger and faster, and maybe it's a little bit more dynamic. Um, and that's also has to take into consideration. So, you know, Mike's been he's got a handle on, on where things stand organizationally, both at the NHL level and the AHL level, and he knows what he has. Um, I will say though, he doesn't envision this being a three, four year process as far as just getting back to the playoffs. He wants to try to turn this around 
fairly quickly, uh, maybe move into one or two years. And that's why, you know, when we saw in that trade with New Jersey, he got back players uh, who can help sooner rather than later, rather than just picking up draft picks who are going to maybe need another three or four years to contribute at the NHL level. So he doesn't want it. He doesn't want this to be a, a process where it takes a long time. He, he wants to be back into a contender type position here. Um, if not next year, then, then potentially the year after. And you know, we can argue whether or not that's the right way to go, but that's certainly his vision. I think that's ownership's vision too. Uh, and last but certainly not least, uh, again, something you brought up earlier, but uh, doesn't appear, and I know it's it's a hard one to judge when there's so much change on the defensive side of things and you're trying to adapt as a group, but it doesn't feel as though Capo Kakadin's come in and given a whole lot of solidarity to that goaltending position going forward. Is it safe to say that that's still an area the Sharks are going to need to address sooner than later? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that was sort of the hope this year is, okay, you give Kapo Kakinen, uh, you know, a full season in the Sharks organization. You see where he's at. Hopefully he takes the reins here and it can be a number, proven number one uh, goalie um, in the NHL. But, um, you know, there's been, there's been flashes of that. And I think, generally speaking, his, his second half post-All-Star break has been better than his, his first half. But, um, you know, there's still a bit of a question mark as to whether or not um, he can be a guy that to, to rely on. Because he was, you know, he, let's be honest, he was a good goalie for the, the Minnesota Wild for, for a couple of years before the Sharks, uh, the Sharks traded for him, um, you know, at the deadline last year. And so uh, can he get back to that level? I think there's a little bit of optimism uh, there within the Sharks organization about that. But uh, they also see what they see, and they know that he, there's a lot of work to be done there. And they probably, uh, the Sharks probably have to go outside the organization next year to, to help fill in uh, fill in that void. I don't know if they if I see James Reimer being back with his team uh, next season, and um, but we'll we'll see there too. But I think um, they would have liked to see Kapokak and maybe take a better bigger step forward than than maybe he has already this season. Curtis, thanks as always for the time. Really do appreciate it. You're uh, always quick to uh, to answer our call here in Calgary when it comes to the Sharks, and we really do appreciate it. Thank you for uh, for joining us today and uh, all the times you have during the season. Enjoy the last two games uh, here for the Sharks, and we'll chat again with you sometime soon, hey? You got it. Anytime. Take care. Curtis Michelka joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. He covers the San Jose Sharks for the Bay Area News Group and kind enough, as always, uh, to give us a call, uh, to give us some time here. Uh, on a call for the uh, look at the opposition tonight, the San Jose Sharks, who cannot finish last uh, in the NHL standings. They will not have the best shot at Connor Bedard when it comes to the draft lottery, but they will be one of the teams with the better odds to get him and uh, could sure use a boost to a team that uh, is really devoid of, of some top prospects right now. They've got some interesting bodies in the organization, but... Uh, missing out, like he mentioned in that, you know, Tim Stutzla draft because you traded for Eric Carlson. Goaltending is kind of a no man's land for this group. Uh, I don't know who steps up as the next defensive prospect for this team. And, you know, Mark Edward Vlasic still on the books for three more years after this year at $7 million. Carlson has four more years at $11.5 million. Uh, Tomas Hurdle just signed that big contract extension last year. Uh, are these guys that are going to be around for the long term? Are these guys that could be moved out in the future for other draft picks? It sure seems like uh, it's a long process in San Jose. Maybe it's one that speeds up uh, if all of a sudden uh, a top prospect like Connor Bedard 
does end up in their organization. Uh, we won't see Vlasic tonight. Uh, expecting Capo Kakin to get the start in goal for the Sharks across from Dustin Wolf, who, yes, makes his first career NHL start tonight for the Calgary Flames. Him and Matt Coronado making their NHL debuts. That's the big story. That's the one we've been following all day long. You heard from both of those young men earlier on in the program, as well as head coach Daryl Sutter. Uh, thank you to Pete Labardius for joining us a little bit earlier today as well to talk all things Flames and Sharks on our final game day. We'll chat with you tomorrow here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.